0: more christmassy now nice morning Gad. how are you hi i'm very good thanks martin good um yeah so as is the um
1: i guess the kind of format that we're doing with the podcast series that we're running um it'd be great to kind of get a an insight from i guess to our listeners as well as to kind of how you started working in the xr industry and yeah kind of go from there
0: yeah, sure. So um, I'm uh, I'm Ed Gregg. I'm the chief disruptor at Deloitte. And um, so my job and my team's job is to work with a variety of new technologies, um, you know, kind of across the spectrum to look at yeah. how they can deliver tangible benefits for our clients, um, for Deloitte ourselves, like within Deloitte, and for wider society. And a, a key one of those has been um, kind of immersive tech, which we've been working on i actually realized we we were doing um ar experiments um uh, well actually like we did an ar campaign with blipper and i think that was like the first sort of deployment we did of 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 something immersive um back in um probably 2013 i think was when we wow okay and so and then we got the dk2 in 2015 and that was when we started looking at um, virtual reality i think the oh. first kind of client deployments we did of that were were using um uh, we're using google cardboard um so mm. you know 360 spaces in, in in google cardboard um but we've sort of continued continuously been working in the space um since yeah. then um, i mean more broadly how i got into that space was because i was did like front-end development and I enjoyed both like design and development so I was able to kind of prototype stuff and because I was often prototyping stuff it, that meant that I was looking at newer tech and so that was how I came to be through kind of user experience plus yeah. you know, UI design I was looking at, at newer stuff and so you know that was why immersive kind of came my way and that's why the disruptor role came about so yeah sure
1: so how does your role differ then? I guess compared to you know a, a normal management consultancy where you know you're kind of a, a I guess a, a consultant how how does your role or, or what's key kind of differentiators between that
0: I mean I'm I'm still I'm still very much a consultant you know got got those PowerPoint slides in my in my blood um but I would say I mean I would say one of the reasons we differ from um kind of traditional management consulting is we're much more focused on on building something and and you know showing it and making it real um I think there there, the 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 the, you know the idea of kind of separating strategy and execution now is Mm. you know it's it's not really feasible uh, because you things are moving so fast and also the the detail of execution is so important that you need to mm. be trying it out and then adapting your strategy and so yeah. I think that's how consulting has shifted because you, you can't just say you know here's a five five year strategy good luck with it yeah you can't yeah kind of go on a journey with your With your clients and particularly in the immersive space um that's what our team is looking to do is kind of partner Mm -hmm. clients so that they can go on this journey because i mean there isn't much point at the moment for most clients deploying a single kind of xr or immersive project Mm -hmm. for them because you know they're going to want to learn from that they're going to want to sort of develop a capability in that space and so Lots and lots of point solutions is not going to help clients on that journey. Like what they yeah. need, they they need someone kind of by their side to to take them through it and develop it in a way that makes it become something that's kind of enterprise ready, yeah. and like scaled to work at an enterprise level. And I think that's something that that's where we believe. Um, yeah, we. Are in a good in a good kind of position to do that because we ha- have that kind of breadth of capability. You know, we have cyber teams, we have legal teams. You know, we have people looking at infrastructure, and so as well as kind of XR devs yeah. uh, specifically. And, and I think you do need to kind of take that holistic approach because the opportunity here is definitely one for like digital transformation. Like, and we we are seeing. Um, clients using this as kind of a catalyst for digital transformation in the sense of yeah. like like with when the when you know the web came along and, and clients created their first websites and then clients created their apps, it often led to like a reworking of how their organization was structured, you know, how yeah. their content teams were working, all of those kind of things. And I think what we're what we're seeing is that yeah you there know, there is an opportunity again with this shift to immersive to kind of take another step forward in terms of in terms of becoming a truly digital organisation and i think that's you know that's really exciting because one of the things about yeah. that is that that has benefits beyond the kind of the the channel that you start operating in as well like with with switching to digital it made organisations more agile and it didn't matter if that particular web platform project failed and they had to switch to another web platform the fact yeah. is the organisational changes they'd made were beneficial in and of themselves and i think you know that that i think is the thing here is there's lots of things that that companies have probably wanted to do in terms of their digital transformation for a long time you know, switching yeah, switching to becoming more of a more product focus having a more modular approach to the way in which they're structuring their enterprise architecture but they haven't done them mm. and, and you know, hopefully this as I say this then can act as a catalyst to do that
1: I guess it's great you know with the work that you're doing with Deloitte from that case you know from that point of view then like you say because if it's more I guess, focused on the practicality of it rather than almost like the theoretical uh, Sorry, I-, I know to go hand in hand, but I guess if it's, if it's kind of geared more towards the practical aspect, then it probably makes I, I guess to a lot of companies and that probably leads me on to the next question that it must be quite daunting for them I guess if they're kind of looking at AR VR technology in terms of how to implement it in the business and you know to kind of almost To ensure that it's a success post implementation that you've done a project with them and that they carry it on and evolve it rather than You know almost like there you go over to you and then it just kind of sits yeah. on you know the The hardware sits on a shelf and gathers dust
0: it, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you, you know, one one of the things that I talk about that that again is kind of agnostic of of XR or immersive technologies is is this idea of organizational rhythm, and you know that rhythm is all about kind of test and learn and test and learn, and yeah. because it, because you know ultimately we we can implement something that's worked brilliantly with another client but won't work with this client's employees or customers like you have you have to get that feedback you have to learn yeah. from it and adapt um there there isn't there isn't a situation where where deploying something one size fits all is going to be yeah you know it's going to work like like i mean Yeah, I think there are very few true one size fits all products out there and there certainly Mm. aren't any in this space which is such a nascent space like it's obviously it's not going to have something that's robust enough and adapted enough to be one size fits all so I think um, uh, and so as you say that learning is absolutely vital like it's really really important that you're able to learn from it and then do Mm. another project and I think yeah, uh, you know, that's that's why we're we're trying to talk to clients in in order to do that. I think I think the other thing to the, to say that's kind of key about that is like we recognise we are not always going to be the best people to deliver to deliver that actually the specific yeah. next specific step. So our goal is very much to create an ecosystem of partners who we're working with, but but, but because we have that scale we can be the sort of the thread running through it but we want to work with the best people in the industry um because you know especially in this in this space um within xr there's so many kind of specialized use cases where it makes much more sense to use this agency rather than this agency um and and and, you know we ultimately want the best outcome for our clients and so we're going Mm. to want them to be working with the best agencies, so sure yeah that's that's the thing is we do want to be on a continuous journey testing and learning and testing and learning but it's not just us and the client we want it yeah. to be us the client and then the absolute best that the industry has to offer
1: where do you think the industry is now then i guess you know you look at the um you know look at I guess, industries like industrial um, engineering and, play, you know, kind of uh, sectors like that. I mean, do you think now, th- is the market now mature enough that most companies understand AR, VR technology in terms of, you know, the benefits it can bring? Or is there, still a, is there still a lot of education needing to take place?
0: There is there is still, I think there is still a lot of education that needs to take place. Um, I, I, I think it's definitely important improving um, excuse me because I think we're seeing um, we're seeing you, you know RFPs coming in that are, are show a greater degree of maturity in terms of what they're asking for um, yeah but, but, but the the potential for this is so huge that I think yeah you know yeah there's, there's definitely still education because I don't think everyone is seeing that potential yet and and by that sort of that level of potential i mean more broadly than just uh ar and vr i mean the the possibilities that kind of um digital twins offer within um, uh within industry which is yeah in in that sense immersive is really just a channel through which you view them it's not um uh it, it's it's not necessarily like it's not like the bedrock of it but but often yes. it's quite a good, it's quite a good route in because you get a ceo who gets excited about the headset and then you can use that to start the conversation with them about digital twins mm-hmm. and things like that but um but yeah i mean when you when you get into the the kind of the true true kind of potential and possibilities of digital twin i think um that that is is hugely exciting, and I mean, for for us, that's the same team because that sort of digitization and visualization, whether it's in a headset, whether it's on you, you know, whether it's on a screen, that that it makes sense that that's all one team. So our yeah. immersive our immersive studio team is is working across that use case, and I, I do I think sometimes that can be a bit. That has been a bit of a problem where people have been very headset focused rather than again taking clients on this journey. Because, I mean, there's one of our clients who was pitched headsets relentlessly um, for for like learning and lots of other use cases. And just the, the people who would have been using them just weren't weren't ready for that. And so, yeah management got really excited about it because they got to have headsets demo to them and they got to try them on and whatever but the, the the there wasn't really that engagement with the people using it and what they were going in some cases from not very far from like it was like scans of ohp slides on powerpoint was how they were currently engaging right, with that. okay that's quite a leap
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah So the idea of going from from that to a headset and, and, you know, just thinking that you could hand that to a learning team and then the learning team would be off and away is is crazy. And so what we did was we digitized it so that they could then they had a 3D model that they could kind of manipulate on the screen. And then we could build in scenarios because, I mean, obviously, before the scenarios were literally static scenarios that were that were, were down on paper and it was like now you can build in dynamic scenarios and yeah you can choose which ones to do you can have a much greater range of them all of those things you, you know don't need the you don't need to put a headset on but once you've done all of those yeah. things it's trivial relatively trivial I'm currently doing that at the moment so I shouldn't I to should touch wood before i say that but i mean it's it's relatively easy to then get it into the um uh to get it into the headset and i think so, so when you say the state of the industry, I think it, it, I certainly am thinking more broadly about kind of that digitization of, you know, yeah. that true digital, digital transformation and digitization of businesses. I think that opportunity, it's there. And, and like the, the tooling is getting better. There is more like maturity and understanding of it. But it's... Um, I, I would say I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, all, yeah. um, all all kind of smelling of roses and and yeah. going to work absolutely fine. Like I think, you know, I, I think it, it's potentially quite a tough situation for us right now. I, I'd say that um, uh, sort of October last year, after the after the Meta announcement, I think mm. we started to see some really good you know mature questions being asked by clients i think that now obviously you know the contraction in tech the the issues around um uh you know kind of inflation and things like that mean that sort of budgets are tightening so i think that you know potentially we might not see um uh the the same level of the same level of investment and the same level of excitement for a bit yeah but yeah long term it's moving in the right direction
1: i mean what, uh, you know during the last kind of nine or ten years that you mentioned obviously of kind of working with the technology, have you seen any kind of defining moments you know during that period or has it been a small kind of being you know like, like more of a gradual evolution
0: i think it's i mean it's really interesting like we did a sort of we did you know v r risk training the first like risk training we did for deloitte was um uh, we did that in 2016 which was like a it was a 360 video based thing um so it has been a gradual evolution because I mean now it we're doing that sort of thing now we're looking at sort of implementing that at scale and and being able to do that at scale because at the time it, it just wasn't cost effective like the cost of I mean, the cost—the cost of producing it was—we uh, we managed to do it relatively cheaply, um, and actually, e-learning and stuff can can um, can cost quite a lot. But I, I think, in terms of like the overall effort and everything like that, it was more, mm. um, uh, and and you know, there was uh, there was stuff around. I think actually, we produced the content relatively easily, but the the consumption of that content, I think, that was a mm that that was harder um and so so yes it feels like a gradual evolution in the sense that there's stuff that we've been saying for a long time we bu- we built our first virtual reality store um uh, so like a, a a shopping space that was connected to like salesforce and adobe so it it basically But it would um uh you know it would kind of adapt to your preferences based on your um you know your either your salesforce profile or your yeah um profile so so those are things that like again like we're doing that for clients now and we'd originally done it in 2015 and so yeah it does feel like a gradual evolution in that like the potential was there but the tooling and the costs and everything d- didn't didn't quite line up, and and also kind of the the market maturity. I would say that though, in terms of like the biggest milestone, obviously the release of <clears throat> the the DK one and the d- DK two was was hugely mm. significant um, uh, from Oculus, and I I would say the release of the Quest two as well was has been yeah. very significant. Um, in terms of just, you know, you just, you don't hear the complaints about like, it will be good when it doesn't have wires or it will be good when the, yes, resolution yeah. is a bit better, or it'll be good when the frame rate is like, you, you don't really hear. I mean, you do sometimes hear people say, Oh, it will be great when it's glasses and not, mm. and you know, not, not so, not so heavy on your head. But I, I would say those, um, Especially there, then, if you put them into um, a good experience, I think those complaints have have, uh, have sort of dialed down. Because I think, in the context of say enterprise training, um, you know the, the the idea of wearing a headset, it, it doesn't seem like um, uh, that big an imposition. Um, yeah. You know, whereas before with the laptop and plugging it in and the wires and everything mm. like that. Like now, yeah, you know, I mean, I carry my headset with me pretty much all the time. Um, and and I'm able to do that. And I mean, I, yeah, it's, it was right at the start. We used to, I used to have to carry around literally a desktop in order to, in order to do it. So I, right. I, I had the power and I would, you know, it got, it got dropped one time in a terrible, terrible incident by, uh, one of my colleagues um, but like that was <laughs> you know, that was how we did it and then, and then yeah, when, yeah. We got, when we got the laptops it was like oh my god this is amazing it can just fit in a rucksack um, yeah. this is incredible and and you know now with the Quest 2 like it's just um, and, and, and the Quest Pro like it's ridiculous but yeah Quest 2 was, was I think the most significant moment and obviously there are other headsets out there um, of course they, yeah they, they, they yeah, and no, I I I love what Pico have done, but um it, it hasn't had the uh the impact. And I mean I think to because, to, to you know, people would say like, oh, it hasn't seen the sales or whatever, but to be honest, I don't really care about how much how many units it's sold in a consumer space. What I yeah. care about is can it deliver benefits to my clients? And that mm. and and you know, from that point of view it just feels like a much more practical solution um, yeah. than, than than what had gone before it, and so that's why it was a significant moment.
1: I think I think what's also interesting, you know, because mean because we definitely saw it when the Quest Two came out and was released. that I think there was the, you know, from talking with people around the marketplace, I think there was a lot of hope. I guess that, for argument's sake, you know, the consumer market was going to kind of adopt it, so that you know parents could try it in a safe space at home, and you know, kind of could could play you know could play with it with their children and that sort of thing and then you know i I guess it becomes less daunting to work with the technology um but i guess when you look at the sales last year i mean the fact obviously they you know uh, quest out sold xbox last year for christmas so uh, you know Mm -hmm. they 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 did get a decent level of penetration in the market
0: i think yeah and i think they i think they did do well and you and you get a lot more people I, you do still get people, funnily enough, who have never tried virtual reality. I think now, yeah. as you say, like, a lot of parents have have now tried it, um, like either with their kids or, or with with someone else's kids. Um, so, so I think that has helped. But I mean, I do have a. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of of this sort of idea of kind of the consumerization of IT. Like this idea that it has to go through consumer adoption in order to work in the enterprise is a relatively recent thing. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. really, it's post 2007 and the iPhone that that sort of that became adopted as a trend. But I think it's one of those trends that, like, if you if you think it's a trend then then obviously it'll it'll shape your strategy and it'll stop you adopting yes tech. yeah but, but it, it isn't really that like there's no real reason like the the iphone was a bit of an aberration when it comes to um uh enterprise tech and i think it was it was a brilliant step forward because you know it showed a much more user-centered approach to to enterprise tech which i think was a was great and and that yeah. was you know part of a whole tra- transformation that was kicked off in 2007, but um, uh, but but uh, but I think now it's frustrating when someone says we won't go forward with this immersive program until more people have bought the headset. It's like wh- why? Right. Like, you know, yeah. it either delivers benefits to your organisation now. Or it doesn't like it that's not it that should not depend on whether or not you know someone has bought the has bought the headsets at, at home like, yeah. and, and and yet you do you do hear people you know sort of using that as an excuse so I think um uh yeah and and you know people should instead be evaluating the headset on its merits because I mean there are there are issues about it i mean i I would say one of the frustrating issues has been with some of the headset manufacturers has been the the focus on consumer has meant that they've missed the opportunity to create a really slick enterprise experience oh, yeah. work with you know with good mobile device management all of that sort of stuff like that has been uh, has, i think partly because of this idea about the consumerization of it that's sort of been like oh well we don't have to prioritize it because enterprises themselves are going to wait for consumer adoption. So, and it's like, yeah. like this, this can deliver huge, huge cost savings for training and mm. huge um, benefits in terms of learning outcomes. It can make collaboration much more effective for a lower, you know, kind of uh, carbon footprint. But, but you know, but you need those tools around InfoSec around um, Device management, all of that stuff, and it's not you know that's not complicated. The devices are running Android, or well, yeah, a lot of them are. And so yeah, yeah, you know, it's not a, it it wouldn't be a hard thing to do, but it just hasn't been a, it hasn't been a focus. So yeah, I yeah, I don't like that consumerization of IT trend. I think it's um, I, I think it's been you know not hugely damaging, but I do think it's held back investment in some cases when that hasn't, that just hasn't made sense from if you looked at it just in, in the context of that particular organisation.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. So I guess yeah. kind of, you know, based based on your experience of kind of working with XR technology then, I mean, what what kind of tips would you offer to any potential companies that are thinking about, you know, starting to work with the tech and things like that? Um, yeah. Or kind of what yeah. quick tips would you kind of give to people? Or advice you should say. Well,
0: I mean my motto is fall in love with the problem, not in love with the solution. So like I will always say that um before anything else. Um and that 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 really is crucial. Like, really do understand the problem that you're trying to solve. I mean, I've already had a call today where someone came up and they were like, What tech stack do we need to build a metaverse company? Um, and you just you know, like that is not <laughs> a that's not a very that's not a mature question to be yeah. Sensitive. Um, and sorry to my colleague who was had to ask that question on behalf of the client. Like that's not a dig at you. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you asked very good questions afterwards, and I understand that the, it was the client who was asking, not you. Um, just in case they're listening to this, I won't. I <laughs> yeah, yeah but, don't drop names you know, like that that and but the other thing is that is no by no means unique that happens regularly, and that is classic yeah. falling in love with the solution instead of in love with the problem, so if you find yourself asking that question of like you know then then stop stop asking that question and start asking like what are the problems that we need to solve that we that that we can hypothesize might be helped by immersive or digitization so I would say fall in love with the problem look look broadly as well across the organization like think in terms of kind of the journeys that your customers are taking and the journeys that your employees are taking because I think that can help you identify potentially like multiple touch points because I think again focusing on a single solution can mean that the business case doesn't stack up. I mean, we've we've definitely seen that. Where, if you look at, you know, so, so for example, if you look at just immersive learning, we we, we we're kind of looking at four areas um, uh, in terms of our unlimited reality um, kind of teams, and those are immersive learning, uh, where it's immersive work and learning, which is like immersive collaboration and um, uh, and immersive learning um uh, enterprise simulation so that's the digital twin stuff and the visualization yeah. of the digital twins um uh, kind of uh engaging consumer experiences so that's like the stuff the ar work that we've done for the lta that's primarily ar stuff at the moment yeah um, also VR stuff. and then um uh and and then Also looking at kind of trust and uh, uh, kind of across the board, looking at kind of like trust and resilience and how you can build up that. So those are kind of the four areas. I think that if... So, for example, if you look at um, immersive learning and you look specifically at that or like a single course, you miss the opportunity to say, actually, you know, this could also be used for by that same employee. They could also be using this for collaboration um, yeah, you know they could also be using this um, for potentially other courses and onboarding and, yeah. and you know things like that so I think it's really important to look end to end at the employee journey um, because I think that will yeah help you help you make a better case um, for what it is you're doing because as well as falling in love with the problem not in love with the solution the other thing we say is think big so I think end to end Think across the whole organisation and then start small. Yeah. Best. Because the cool thing is now, it's so easy with the tools that you have to create a virtual space. Yeah. Mm. You know, like I mean, again, I've done this today. We we painted a we painted our virtual Christmas card in Gravity Sketch, and then I exported that, have put it in Spatial, and I can just share it. You know, sure, can, yeah. Sure. Yeah straight away like I mean and that's an environment so that could be as complex an environment as I want so in terms of like mm. mocking up the experience that you're trying to create you can do that in an hour tops and it can be a completely yeah. custom uh, it can be something completely custom and so that's, that's really cool because that was not again if when, when we were doing this stuff in 2015-2016 that was like yeah. you know, bespoke unity build Starting from grey box and then having to build it all the way up from there, yeah. And so that was like that was hard. Whereas now you can you can show whoever it is you're making the business case to, you can show them something tangible, super mm. super quickly, and and that so that's really exciting. So when I say think big, start small, you can start really really small. Like an hour's work couldn't give you that first step on the road, and that's sure. that's way more powerful than a Powerpoint slide
1: yeah do you, do you tend to find i mean you, you kind of mentioned a, an interesting point a minute ago, but I guess the kind of four main strands to the business um, yeah. that, you're, that you're working in I mean with the kind of enterprise companies that you you know talk to or on and are working with, do you tend to find that they they kind of work in a cohesive way that kind of each of the departments knows what they're doing or is it still very siloed <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh my god, that would be the dream. Um, a, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of my job is um, is is also around that, and I mean, so when when you yeah, know that that point about thinking big, um, that we we have a concept called the tangible hypothesis, which is basically. Um, an articulation of the ideal end-to-end user experience and employee experience that you're trying to create so the user experience and then the employee experience that enables that and the reason why we do that and we encourage clients to do it and try and get it down to something that sort of fits on an a zero page that you can talk through with someone in less than 45 minutes the reason Mm -hmm. why it's so important to articulate that is in order to break down those silos because so often those different teams will have, you know, a 200 page strategy document um, uh, that they've written that the other teams are not going to read. Barely anyone yeah. in the team itself is going to read it. Um, mm. So the idea that that then you'll get a cohesive strategy from that is, you know, again, it's a, a fantasy, unfortunately. And so. Yeah. I think you, So you need that really, really clear unifying picture um, in order to get the teams working together. And, and I think that's where, that's where definitely building something and making it real is so much, yeah. is so powerful. And I think that's where um, uh, immersive can have such a great role to play because in terms of that storytelling, because essentially that's what you need in order to drive yes. that that cohesive effort in terms of that storytelling immersive is great for that and so Mm. we we actually i mean we did a similar thing and have done a similar thing with clients initially we did it in retail and it was actually it actually came about off the back of that virtual store that we built um, using adobe and salesforce um we uh off the back of that we had a lot of interest from like a number of different, um, uh, different organizations. And so we built a physical version of that, which is kind of like a, you know, it's kind of a weird way around to have done it, but we, they, you know, there, there was this store that kind of could adapt to your preferences in VR. And they were like, Hey, but what, how could we do the, the same sort of gathering of, of customer preferences Mm. And, and the same sort of adaptation, but within um, within a physical environment. And so we built something called the connected store, and it was super powerful for bringing uh, clients together and bringing different teams together and getting them to you know have a shared vision. Um, yeah. But obviously that's quite a lot of work. Whereas now, mm. you know, being able to build that in a virtual environment, you can still tell that story. You can still te- step people through that journey because that, that journey was kind of that customer journey. Um, as we said, that tangible hypothesis was key to, to that, but you don't have to, without having to kind of invest in building a physical store. So yeah, yeah. Like the, your silos point is 100% right. And is, you know, it is, is 90% of the time kind of the goal of the work that I'm doing is to try and break sure. down the silos and get the teams working together, um, uh, effectively and immersive has such a crucial role to to play in that I think because it's yeah it's great but it's also you know it's cost effective and so you can yeah. you can do it without having to like get a massive upfront investment in order to kind of tell people a story which is supposed to then get more investment. Like it's much better if you yeah. can just do that pull something together really quickly.
1: Yeah totally. And um, and I guess obviously the
0: Sorry. I, I, I just quickly, yeah, we we actually we did a similar thing to that. At, um, so so one of the best examples of that that we have um, that we're allowed to talk about publicly is um, uh, with Team GB. Um, so and that was that was an interesting one because Team GB before Tokyo um, came to us uh, to talk about how they could um, help the the team and they 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 wanted to look for ways in which they could um sort of uh, i mean we we were the ones who articulated this question but i mean they wanted to kind of reduce stress on the athletes during the um uh during the games and their idea was what if we created virtual models of the stadiums so that they could then put on a vr headset and um and kind of be in the stadium before um before the games itself and um that was a classic case of falling in love with the solution where someone's like i want to have um i want to have do something with virtual reality how can i how can i shoehorn um uh virtual reality into my organization and yeah they came to us so like you know they could have just gone away and done that um but but what I said in the meeting, you know, like pretty much the first meeting we had was let's just take a step back. And because there's all sorts of reasons why I don't think this is the most effective way of going forward, because this is very much like a point solution. Um, Yeah. And and for a number of reasons, it doesn't make sense. And so, so we took a step back. We did some research. We looked at both um, support the, the the support teams as well as the athletes themselves, because actually, you know, it turned out that um, in terms of stress, stress for the support team often translated into stress for the athlete. Yes. And, yeah. And then, and then we we kind of created a journey on on a big a zero sheet of paper. Like it sounds silly when I say try and fit it on an A0 sheet of paper, but actually it does force you to be very clear about the story that you're telling in a way yeah. that, you know, new slide, new slide, new slide allows you to sort of get away with yeah. um, just just not really telling a, a kind of a crisp, concise story. And so we, we kind of map the stress levels of mm-hmm. and, and, and the potential for stress. And the the kind of the question we came back with was how can we make it as much like a home games as possible, and so it turned out it was about an information bottleneck, and so we uh, we, we actually implemented a um, uh, like a workplace social platform for them, because actually the problem was when issues were happening they weren't um, they weren't they, they were getting flagged to a central team and then that central yeah. team was sending. Um, messages out emails out to everyone but often that was too late and the problem had Mm. become an issue um, uh, for for different team members and so allowing kind of peer-to-peer communication within specific groups was solved that problem and the cool thing was as well we sent them out with 360 cameras so they were still able to take pictures of the stadium and then people were still able to put headsets on and look inside the stadiums it just wasn't you know for for basically the same cost to do detailed models of the stadiums which was going to be impossible anyway because a lot of the stadiums weren't built we didn't have access to the plans there's so it's so many olympic sports that it wouldn't have made yes, sense yeah do. whereas with this you could give every you could give the team or lend the team 360 cameras and they could go mm-hmm. and they could take pictures not just of the stadiums but of the gyms of the you know the housing and all that sort of stuff so i mean even though the core solution there wasn't like an immersive one, I think it's interesting because A, it illustrates how sometimes problems come to us where like, then really they're not, they haven't fallen in love with the problem. They fall in love with the solution, but then we adjusted it and we used immersive as part of the solution, but we were looking more broadly in the sense of actually where, where is the real problem here and also, where's kind of the opportunity to not just do a point solution, but actually kind yeah. of transform the whole whole process? It's
1: a great way of uh, kind of looking at it, I guess, because it's kind of almost then, you know, kind of using VR in a way that's going to be effective, you know, like you say, rather than almost just, you know, Team GB said, right, we want a VR solution gone, that, you know, they've gone, okay, great, we'll go yeah. and build one, and then, but it doesn't actually solve any problem. Then, oh, then yeah. hardly anyone's going to kind of you know uh, you know want to use it. But I guess if there's kind of multiple channels and things that you develop, on, you, you know kind of I don't, yeah, it's a really good way of looking I at things. I
0: think it. I think that's the I think that's the thing. Sorry, I just need to plug my, plug my uh, that's all right. My, my Mac in. But the um. Well, I will probably. i will not talk until I actually plug it in. This cable is not as long as I would like. <laughs> if you're listening. Tim, the cable's not long enough. Ah, uh, okay. As in Tim Cook. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I heard he avidly listens to this podcast, so, um, uh, yeah, he's waiting, he's waiting <laughs> to do the interview where he drops the, uh, exclusive announcement of the, uh, Apple headset, so, um, so yeah, um. It's it's okay, Tim. Go ahead, drop it here. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> this is the place to launch it. Um, the um, but also do do get, can I have a longer cable for my Mac Pro? The um the so yeah, I think it is um uh it is a good way. It's a good way to think about it because you know, like at the end of the day, another of my phrases. A lot. I'm basically just like a just like a motto bot I just have loads and loads of mottos but the other one is that <laughs> a part of like falling in love with the problem and not in love with the solution is there's no innovation without adoption you you yeah. can't you can't implement a technology solution in isolation it has to be within the context of the organization and I mean that was kind of the the point with Team GB was it just it did there was it just didn't make sense to try and do that on its own because all the effort would have been put into like building those models and none of the effort would have been put into driving the kind of the cultural adoption that was Mm. needed in order to make that something that was business as usual within their organization. Whereas, whereas, you know, what we did, that did, that did actually transform the organization and then technology was an enabler for that but like, there was a very specific vision around how we were changing the way that the organization worked and, and the way that they did comms and all of that sort of stuff. And, and going back to what I was saying at the beginning, the good thing about that is is that even if a specific tech thing doesn't work, the cultural change should then, you know, should kind of continue yeah. once, they, once they've seen the value of that. So, um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think that is really key. And, and you know, when, cause when I started in tech, I got into tech or went specifically into tech consulting because I was like, rather than say strategy or ops or or, mm. or human capital, um, I went into tech because I was like, well, at the end of the day, every project's going to have like a tech element to it. So I'll be able to pick and choose which project I, I work on. And actually what I've realized is every project is a cultural change project. All yes. of them yeah. are enabled by tech, but if you, if you think you're on a tech implementation project you're wrong you're not you yeah. are on a cultural change project and if 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 the leadership doesn't see that or if you don't see that it will it will end badly and i mean there was a really good example from earlier in my career where we were doing basically the same thing at two different clients and one client i wouldn't say they understood it was a cultural change project but they they certainly felt the need to get kind of the buy-in across the organization mm. in order to make it happen, whereas another one just looked to develop the tech in isolation. And, I mean, at the time, I didn't really necessarily see that there was a problem in those two approaches. And in some yeah. cases, the isolated approach seemed way better because I didn't have to go to shouty workshops about you know, process harmonization and stuff like that. We could just get yeah. on and I could do some nice graphics and it was all cool but then when it came to launching the solution it became very obvious which one was the right way to do it, it the the yeah. one where we, where we developed it in isolation was a disaster and um that whereas the one where we had worked on it all of those people were like champions of the of the tech and they were going out there they were you know they felt ownership of it and it was just it was night and day and and yet the the, it, I mean, you know, it was a CRM solution effectively was basically the same across the two things, but one of them worked and one of them didn't because we, yeah. it wasn't that recognition of a culture change project. It
1: definitely does seem to be the thing with are second, particularly around the XR, you know, side of things from, you know, from the companies that we work with and, uh, and that I've spoken to over the last few years, I think a lot of them do get it that it is kind of, you know, that it's bringing people on with the journey rather than you know, I know you mentioned the point before, but, you know, if arguments take the CTO or someone like that kind of says, right, you know, like here's a load of headsets and they go and buy, you know, buy a raft of them. But but the people aspect isn't considered. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it, like nothing gets adopted uh, where yeah. it kind of also has that interest curve where it very quickly drops off because people haven't been taken on the journey or understanding the pain points of why they would want to use it. So,
0: yeah. And, and, and I mean, going back to that point about consumerization, again, like, I think, obviously, it helps if people have used the headset before with their kids, for example. Yeah. But you can't rely on that. Like, your, your project needs to have built into it the assumption that there will be a lot of people who will be starting having never used your tech before. And that should mm. be fine. Like you can still you can still run a successful project where people have never used the tech before. I mean, yeah, that you shouldn't be relying on, you know, a big tech a, a big tech company, a big te- consumer tech company to have done your job of educating your yeah. colleagues about how to use the thing. Because, you know, that wouldn't apply if they were using, you know, like a massive tunnel boring machine. Like that wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't say, oh yeah, we're going to wait until tunnel boring machines become uh, <laughs> you know, like adopted in the consumer. Like I think he's, I think he's buying his kids one for the um, <laughs> Christmas. So we'll wait until we yeah. roll that. Uh, and then you wouldn't do it for that. So like, why do no. it for, you know, why do it for other, um, uh, for other things? So I think, yeah. Um, yeah, that having that education program, having that cultural change program is so, so, so important. And it, it, and as you say, it's, it is left until, last minute when someone says like we should be looking at the change management part of this and it's like oh yeah and and i think uh, so you know going back to what i was saying what you were saying about what are the tips definitely that because that is the problem that you're solving is how do you change the the mindsets within your organization but i think um you you know you were saying as well like I, i think companies do recognize this but this is again one of the reasons why i like working here is I think we have the scale and also we have change management consultants. So we can help with that kind of stuff, but it's harder if you're a if you're a tech delivery agency trying to do something, you know, trying to do a project for a client. Yeah. It can be harder to build in that change management stuff mm. because you don't it, it it won't it won't necessarily have been budgeted for because they're like, oh, but we hired you to just do a tech implementation. And then, so, you yeah, know, and, and that, that can be heartbreaking to build something great, but know yeah. that, that, that the work hasn't been done in the organisation. Yeah. You're like, ugh.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I saw that you kind of recently debated the subject, so I kind of talked about it in Houses of Parliament. Yeah. Um It'd be kind of rude of us not to uh, mention the hot topic at the moment that everybody's talking about, but the metaverse. We
0: have, we have said the M word, I think, a couple. Of times. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I, I guess you know, in your opinion, how how would you summarise it, and kind of how important do you think it is to industry?
0: I mean, it's important because it's got it's got it's it's driven it up agendas within mm. like within within c-suites um that to be honest that's really that's really the main function that it's done is that it's it's it it has generated hype and yeah you know at the end of the day when we're talking about cultural change and mindsets and all of those kind of things like hype is can be useful um it can also be a problem if like you know you don't manage people's expectations correctly, or if it gets <laughs> attached to something uh that then you know goes south um then that then then you know you're 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 then lumped into the same same sort of thing and i mean i I think there's an element of that because the the thing with the thing with metaverse and the word metaverse was that it was often being used alongside numbers like a trillion um yeah and, and multiple trillions and like if you're gonna get you know like why do we think it was getting the attention of c-suites because it was mm. you know as Gartner and everyone was saying and and goldman's were saying uh was saying that it's going to be worth billions of dollars or trillions of dollars and um a lot of that was based on uh you know the um the, the kind of the cryptocurrency markets as well like that was that was playing into that, and so so yeah it, it so it was good because that i mean i mean it was it was it was potentially beneficial because that did sort of move it up um some agendas which allowed us to get funding for stuff that we've been asking for since yeah. two thousand and sixteen and we've been saying this is a good thing to do since two thousand and sixteen, so yeah, we used it. We tried to, we tried to leverage um, uh, that um, excitement uh, is the, you know, the politest, but it really was hype. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, and I think that's the, I, I think that's the thing, but, but, you know, obviously I would have preferred... As I say, fall in love with the problem, not in love with the solution. That people said, mm. you know what? We really need to improve learning within our organisation. And I mean, we did see it as well. Like COVID nineteen has been a big accelerator, and and um, uh, kind of sustainability as well. and the climate crisis, has been a big yeah. accelerator of the adoption of, of um, immersive collaboration. And so, yeah. and so, I think we are seeing. Um, uh, we are seeing people approach it from kind of the right angle in the sense of, wait, how do we do this global collaboration or that, mm. how do we do this global collaboration in a way that is not going to burn everyone out and is not going to you know, be massively damaging um, yeah. in, in, terms of, in terms of carbon. And so, so, yeah, I would have preferred it that everyone was coming to us because of that, not because they'd read... Um, yeah. An article with a picture of a monkey above it um, that that had some some uh, huge huge figures attached to it, and they were like, "Wait, yeah. we need to be on this metaverse thing." But you know, I, if 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 I'm honest, like, how has the majority of the work come about? It's often come about because people have fallen in love with a solution, and then I've yeah. helped them see the problem that they can solve, and that happened. So, I mean, I joined. I mean, I, I saw it with websites when when I started um, when I started doing web development, where people were like, we need a website, and it was like, what are you going to do on it? And it was like, don't know. And then it was like, we need an app, um, and it's like, what are you going to do with it? And it's like, we don't know. And then yeah. it was when the tablet app, and that was when I, I I I first started prototyping at Deloitte with the tablet app. So like, I really saw that very, you know, right there with with. CIOs and, and and CEOs asking, saying, "We need a tablet app." And I was prototyping it to show them what it could uh, what it could look like. But there wasn't a lot of like, what the why was? Oh, so and so else has done it, or like, yes, yeah, like everyone has one. Rather than you know solving a problem. And then I think we've seen it with with um, VR as well and AR is like, we need a VR thing, we need an AR thing. And at the moment, it's like we need to be in the metaverse. So. It, it's been useful um uh in that regard because it it helps you start that conversation um but yeah so i guess the short answer is like mixed feelings but um yeah. uh, but but yeah i think it, it has it, it, it i mean it uh, overall i think it's got us funding that we wouldn't have um uh that we wouldn't have got otherwise sorry i don't yeah. know why I, my notifications going off i've got do not disturb on but i don't that it's fine. sorry I'm actually ignoring <laughs> that so
1: yeah it, it 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 just seems like you know i mean i think obviously when you know when, when facebook did the rebrand and obviously you know kind of started the proverbial the hairs running about kind of meta and the metaverse yeah. um it kind of just has seemed in the last 12 months or so that it's caused it, it's just caused such a i think high level of confusion where you know, everybody suddenly that we're doing AR and VR projects have now basically just said everything's in the metaverse and things yeah. like Roblox, Minecraft, everybody's just kind of, you know, rebranded everything as metaverse content for fear of almost kind of being left behind or kind of, yeah, yeah kind of, you know, not being seen as, you know, trend setting. And, yeah. and and I don't know if that's the kind of, yeah, I mean, if, if, yeah. if that was a good or bad thing, really
0: i think I think though we've always seen that sort of we've always seen that sort of confusion you know like I remember big debates within our industry about um is three sixty video v r and it's like yeah, to be honest, who cares like at the end of the day it's about the problem that the client is solving i don't i don't they don't really care about it and like it's whatever they call it in terms of you know as long as. I don't care why, what name they they come to me to talk about it with. We will work with them to figure out what problem it is they're solving, and then it becomes a learning. You know, it's a learning module that's there to achieve yeah. a learning outcome. It doesn't matter whether you call it 360 video or VR. So I, again, I guess I guess I'm not. I've I've seen the industry agonize over definitions. And it's like, and whereas, and the people who are coming to us for solutions don't really care. They're like, I don't mind. In the same way that they don't really care whether or not we're going to host it on AWS or Azure. Like, you know, I don't care. Like, I just want to, I just want my colleagues to be able to do this learning and achieve this learning outcome. And so, so yeah. I mean, I think I, you know, it has resulted in some confusion. But again, mm. it's confusion that I've seen before, and it's um, uh, and and you know, like the way you navigate through it is by sitting people down, talking to them, talking about what's the actual problem that they want to solve. And I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. To be honest, whatever whatever starts that conversation quickest, that's that that's the terminology that I'll use. Um, yeah, fair enough. So, Makes so, sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's frustrating, but but you know, like, yeah. Mm. There's lots of things that are frustrating about our industry, and I don't think it's um, uh. You know, as I say, it it's been. It's been around since we uh, since we started. I, I mean, th- those those were so heated. Those is three hundred and sixty video VR debates. They, they were so heated, and it's just like, pfft. And, and you know, then then there was a whole big thing about like which is going to be bigger, VR or AR. It's like, yeah, you can't. like honestly, yeah, totally, exactly, you know, yeah. They're on a spectrum. It doesn't matter. And uh, I I yeah. think, yeah, I think I think it can um, sometimes. I mean, my, my background is actually, this is, a, this is a bit of a tangent, but as you've seen, that's kind of my thing. But the, um, <laughs> the, 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 um, the my background, so I did philosophy, politics, and economics at university. And like, um, the, there was a big thing in philosophy that I think a lot of people found it more comforting to try and answer definitional questions rather than tackle like really hard questions. It was like, because mm. they could argue about definitions all on their own and you know it was like in a sort of closed closed system and some of those arguments were very very brutal like just yeah but um uh but but that was they they preferred doing that um i, I mean it's well yeah i i'll, I'll avoid going into naming specific schools of thought because you, you don't want this to become a uh, philosophy (laughs) in the the comments, but like they they would avoid They would avoid tackling big questions in order to, in order to kind of focus on smaller ones because, you know, because it was an easier, it was an easier thing to do. Like it was an easier way to prove you were right or wrong. And it's like, you know, again, Team, let's take a step back. Let's focus on the problem uh, rather than the uh, rather than solution. There, yeah. there is a nice, there is on a philosophy note, there is a nice thing that's sort of related to this that, um, uh, which is you know, it's a nice analogy. Which is Karl Popper talks about cloud problems versus um, clock problems, and so clock problems are like self-contained technical problem. Yeah, you know, it can be really really hard to solve but you know that it's going to happen within the confines sure. of the clock, whereas cloud yeah. problems are a dynamic system and all that sort of stuff. And I think, again, you know, this, I mean, it's been saying the same thing over and over again, but that, that recognition that what you're doing is a cloud problem, it's not a clock problem. And, and as much as you want it to be a clock problem, it is a cloud problem and you're going to have to consider yeah. the wider context and the system and everything like that. That, that yeah. is really, that's really, really crucial.
1: So so, if we, you know, I guess, kind of fast forward, say three to five years, how yeah. how do you think, um, kind of, consumers and businesses will be interacting with AR, VR, Metaverse, you know, whatever the kind of term is in five years' time? Uh, how 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 do you think kind of people will be interacting with the technology, or what do you think it will look like?
0: So, what 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 I hope is. Um... I mean, so so there's there's kind of two uh, nice ways of thinking about the metaverse. Um, one that Antonia Forster developed, which is this idea of metaverse traits, which is mm. which sort of says you know like things at the moment are either more or less metaversy. So stuff will continue to become more metaverse-y, whereby the the, the the solutions will have like more of those traits. So like at the moment um Roblox for example is multi-user it's avatar based there's user generated yeah. content it's persistent all of those things and and it, and it will add things like you know it will become more immersive and stuff like that so I think you'll see um uh the more more solutions have kind of more of those metaverse traits one of yeah. the ones um and then Tony Parisi talks about his like seven rules of the metaverse and that's kind of like long term where it's headed and i i I think broadly you know the thing that i've always said is that the metaverse is like the internet but more immersive and so i think and, and and i think that's a good way of viewing it because the internet is incredibly diverse and you know it's kind of linked but you can uh but it's linked, but it's made up of lots and lots of different modules, and I yeah. think that's where the, the interoperability thing is. The thing I would I would love to see that. I would also obviously love to see um, the way in which it's being used, um, being being very positive. I, I think that yeah. one of my worries is that um, uh, we don't learn the lessons from Web two point when we're moving into this next evolution of the internet and we we end up making the same mistakes all over again because those have been some pretty pretty horrific mistakes um and so i would like to see it being used in more positive ways and i think for for me the the metaverse is at its best and and its potential is to connect people who you otherwise wouldn't be able to connect to and like actually connect to them not connect to them in terms of have a, a a you know an argument with them in the youtube comments like actually actually yeah. in a way that's much closer to um the way you would the way you would really connect to someone and and you know i will always say an in-person connection is absolutely the the best way to to connect yourself yeah. i don't i don't subscribe to the thing of yeah, you know, like because there may be reasons why you don't want to connect in person, but that's, that's, that's not a problem with in person connection. I think mm-hmm. that's I think because that's... of societal circumstances and things like that. Like, ideally, you would be able to connect in that way. Um, yeah. And I think that, uh, so yeah, in-person connection is the ideal, but in lots of circumstances, it's not possible. Or there's people who share your passion, who live all over the world, who you wouldn't otherwise be able to connect with. That's, that's what I want to see is it connecting people who, are, who otherwise wouldn't be connected and connecting mm. us to our planet as well and kind of the world around us. Because I think, you know, Pokemon Go was was brilliant in terms of the, the kind of the adoption of location-based um, AI. Yeah. And I think what, what, what I want to see is a metaverse that is intri- you know, intricately connected to the real world so that it is it is driving people to kind of discover the real world and interact with the real world and interact with real people. So mm-hmm. it's a tool for that rather than being seen as like an end in itself or like something that's cut off from the from the real world. I mean, the most sort of recent example of that that we've seen was Tuvalu creating a digital twin of the island um yeah. in order to uh, both highlight and mitigate against the uh, effects of, of of the climate crisis and so <clears throat> that's a that's a, a that's the sort of thing that I think uh, I mean I obviously I don't want to see Tuvalu being threatened by climate change but I think yeah. that's a it's a good example of how the the metaverse can kind of connect people um uh to our world um in a way that you yeah, will hopefully change it for the better so i I'm, I'm really keen that we do articulate that positive vision for what it can do because i think if you mm. don't you and you just list all of the risks the the problem with li- listing risks with um some company executives is it's like leaving a a plate of marshmallows in front of a four year old and telling them that's going to be bad for you. It's like you, you've just, if you don't offer them a positive alternative, they're going to eat the marshmallows. And I think that is what I would call dystopia by default, where we, by not offering a positive vision, we just end up Mm. in the dystopia and in, in the risks that we've articulated yeah, because we haven't we haven't articulated a positive vision. So I am really keen that we articulate a positive vision. And for me, it's connecting to people you otherwise wouldn't be able to connect to, and connecting to our planet better. Which I do think location based AR is 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 a really powerful tool for that. Because yeah, you saw with um, Pokemon Go, like the number of people who suddenly yeah. were. Um, out in exploring places they otherwise and obviously things went wrong with they shouldn't have had one at the holocaust memorial and things like that but but the um uh they should not have a, have had a gym there but the um but but the but but overall i think it was it was getting mm. people up getting people active like i still see people in our local park who are doing pokemon go sessions around the uh, around the park and i think that's mm. that's brilliant so yeah, it has the potential to do that good, and so yes, I would love. To, I would love to see that. I would love to see you know, and, and, and on an enterprise side, that's companies kind of um, you know teams kind of connecting. We, we're just we're just starting to see projects from the start of the project saying what is our really what is our distributed immersive collaboration strategy for this? Like, how are we going interesting. to interesting? Yeah, because they've said we do not have the budget both carbon or financial to to do all those workshops. You know, I was referring to that project, that uh, process harmonization project we did. We were always flying to, uh, because it was global, we were always flying together. And like now, A, that's really expensive and B, that's just not, uh, um, Mm. yeah, that's not sustainable. And so I think... Uh, we're starting to see projects saying that saying like what what's going to be our approach so yeah in three to five years time i would like to see that being the norm um that people are you know people are doing that and and you know they're, they're meeting in that spaces because because again like that that's not that's not like a reach that is what that would deliver benefit right now and the yeah. only reason three to five years is i know that that change will will take some time but i do i do think that's I do think that is very very, very plausible um I think uh, and you know when people have have had those meetings in a headset, again, you can say this meeting would have been better in person, and it's like, yeah mm. sure but you but but you would have had to get on a five hour flight so yeah yeah, you know, and th- this means that you can have uh you know like eight or ten of these meetings a year, one of them's mm. in person but nine of them where you've built up those, um, uh, those bonds and those relationships are going to be virtual. And that's much more valuable than having one six-hour meeting in person once a year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know we kind of talked about it at the start of the you know start of the chat around kind of the retrospective aspect in terms of the technology moving forward. But I mean, do you think there'll be any defining moments that will kind of drive mass adoption of of of, of the technology over the next three to five years? Are you or, or again, to... will it be a you know a, a, m- you, more of an evolution?
0: Are you trying to get me to say Apple headset again? <laughs> <laughs> right. i'm on royalties from them yeah. so yeah you've got to mention yeah. no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know i i mean i i said uh you know that the like the the iphone was clearly like a defining moment in um yeah uh, the the way they've done stuff and and you know there was um obviously that the you know smartphones existed before the iphone but it, yeah. it it did it in a way that brought it together and solved a lot of kind of niggles that were holding back adoption. Um, so uh, yeah sure I'd love to see that I'd love to see the headset equivalent of the iPhone because I don't think um, I don't think we're there yet. I guess the Quest 2 is probably like the 3310 of, um, yeah. of, of headsets. I don't know. is that an unfair disc? I love, obviously I've got. Got Quest request too right here because I was I was on it, I was on it way too late last night trying to make a digital Christmas card. But the um, uh, but um, as a yeah the one in Gravity Sketch. But the um, so yeah I don't know is that unfair to call it the thirty three ten? I think that probably is about right though. So yeah, so, yeah would um, uh, would yes if there is if there is an equivalent like that I think that will be. Um, that would be great, but again, but again I, I, I mean, I feel like you. Going back to the other point, which was that that was what triggered mass consumer adoption. From my point of view, there is not a reason. Yeah, you, know, you can you can run a global collaboration project using these headsets, and you can have yeah. a very. There it will not it will not be perfect, but you can do that very effectively, <clears throat> and it will. Be- more sustainable and your team will be able to meet more regularly which will probably Mm. make them work better as a team than if you did it um uh if if you tried to do it all in person or all over um uh video calls so so yeah like you you know so like like does it need that defining moment in order to in order to change things yeah it'll be good but like it yeah it doesn't doesn't need it um the long answer. okay so, I, in terms of other, in terms of other like defining moments that are coming up, I mean, uh, pot- potentially something around like um, some something big around interoperability. I think would mm. be would be interesting. Um, but, Definitely but, seems but,
1: to be the keyword that everybody's you know something from the companies yeah. we talk to is the keyword that everybody says you know in every conversation.
0: I mean, you know, because at the moment, again, if you think... I think, it, I think it's often very useful with this sort of stuff to think of it... In the first instance, think of it in terms of, like, what would you want in a physical space or what would you want in in terms of the internet? Like, if, we, if this is the next evolution of the internet, like, what are the things that are missing? And, like, at the moment, that ability to navigate um, kind of easily between... Uh, between different things it isn't isn't quite there yet um but to be fair um, you know uh deep linking ability was just released and um i, I took part in the ready player golf um uh, charity event oh yeah uh, yeah uh, recently um and and we used the deep link from engage into golf plus um yeah and it it's not and that was that was I think that was the first time because it was quite it was it had only recently been that deep link had only uh, deep link ability within Quest had only recently been released and um i uh, yeah no, I think that was the first time i'd I'd kind of like navigated between apps and so yeah that was pretty that was pretty cool like um uh, because yeah, I think that was that felt more like the internet. Um, than than just you know I'm in a standalone sure. app and now I'm in another one. So,
2: yeah. but
0: it, I would say again, like from from an enterprise point of view, that will kind of smooth the way. But like it's it's not going to necessarily be like a game changer. Um, yeah, but it's it's not going to feel like a big bang sort of like yeah before and after kind of moment. I don't think.
1: Yeah, interesting. Um, and finally, kind of one question. I mean, what, what advice would you give to somebody working in the XR industry who's kind of looking to further their career?
0: Um, well, good question. I I mean, I gave some advice similar to this. At a, um, I was speaking at a school on uh, Monday. It was really difficult to get to through all this Um but I made it. Eventually. But the, um, the, and I think, because some of the uh, students there were, were asking kind of a, a similar question. And I think, yeah, not to harp on about the thing that I've said many times don't bark, don't bark. Not to harp on about the thing that I've said many times, but the, um, I think she is going to bark. Budika, please, doing a podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> but the, um, uh, hold on, hold on. Budika, Budika, come here. Come here, come here. You can do a cameo on the podcast. Are you going to jump up? Oh, Utica.
1: come on. She can make an appearance.
0: Come on, Utica. You're wearing a Christmas jumper. You should definitely oh, appear. There definitely
1: needs to be in. Oh, there she is. Bruised not to mean, get her involved.
0: Yes, that means you might, might not do that. So, what That's what advice well. would you give to someone looking to get ahead in the car industry? I mean, I would say that, that honestly, the best thing is that the space is changing so fast that there isn't you you obviously need to be willing to learn and adapt because yeah I mean um one of the things that for me I spent I was very proud of my ability to stitch together 360 videos and I was like yeah. I'm really good at this I've learned this skill this will stand me in good stead for oh like six months um because it, <laughs> it, it, it was <laughs> It became um uh, the 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 technology you know made that skill completely obsolete, and I spent a yeah. long time like stitching it and perfecting my art and um it's now completely useless so the the tech is not going to hang around um, for long uh, and also I mean just the rate at which kind of the tools are simplifying the process, so like you know being good at the dev is going to be less of a um, it's going to be less of a differentiator. I think you know, yeah. it's still important, obviously. So, you know, not to, as I say, say the same thing over again, but I would really focus on understanding that broader context and understanding, you know, user experience design and human factors and all of that, all of that sort of stuff and, and the kind of the broader context in which you're operating, because yeah. I think that will stand you in good stead. Not, because, you know, you may well have jobs where someone, you know, assigns you a ticket and you have to go and do that dev ticket. Oh, that's a bit. Um, you may have jobs like that. But to be honest, even in that situation, you do want to be questioning. And it's still valuable to be questioning, like, wait a second. What's the, yeah. you know, what are the kind of the broader range of this? And, and to be able to understand that because... Um, yeah, you, you know, you you don't want to be working on a project where you do all of that dev work for nothing. And so I, I think anything that you can do to to sort of, you know, broaden your understanding, I think is important. Because the, the thing is, because this space is evolving so fast and because it's so new, I think that some, some other spaces that are more developed, it's possible to be more specialized and, and kind of slim down your focus. Whereas yeah. I think here... I think it is still important to understand the wider context because that wider context is changing. And I think if you don't do that, you know, you're, you're going to, um, uh, you're going to struggle. And, and yeah. And and I mean, that wider context includes stuff around ethics and things like that. So just be aware of that stuff. Don't feel like it's not your place to say, this is not the direction that we should be going in or all of that stuff. Because I think, um, uh, in the long run, those will be that that will be a good um, that will be a good yeah. decision to make. So, so yeah, my advice would be, and I know this seems like a pain, but you're going to have to learn loads of stuff anyway. So, yeah, you know, that you're just going to have to suck that up. Um, yeah, um, because this industry is not going to stand still um but i think what i would say is the stuff that's going to be most valuable is the stuff around context and and going really deep on a specific skill yeah you risk that skill becoming obsolete relatively quickly so um yeah. so don't, don't put all your eggs in that what yeah in your i can stitch 360 videos really well basket because um yeah you yeah. It. basket is not around for long
1: yeah interesting
0: that, that makes sense i, I don't i don't no, envy was... you having to cut it with with Boudicca in the shot as well but
1: hey look he's absolutely fine it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it, You're just it's just, uh, uh always, always, always to always good to like... have a dog on the podcast every single time It's a vote winner
0: he'll just be randomly appearing in and out of the shot. but yeah she okay yeah, get... he's also not helping from the like I wonder when this podcast was filmed. Kind of perspective. Oh, it it's fine. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, yeah.
1: Ed, thank you very much for your time. It's been absolutely amazing, okay. and um, yeah, on. I really cool. appreciate you taking the time to speak.
0: Oh. oh, lost you for a second there. Oh wow, I'm so glad so- that didn't happen earlier in the earlier in the call but yeah yeah no
1: i was just saying thank you very much for your time you've been your insights have been amazing and uh yeah i'm, I'm sure a lot of people kind of watching and listening would be uh really interested to listen to kind of uh, yeah what you said
0: well i'm really glad because i was i did have an appointment in theory at 11 but luckily um uh that got cancelled so and i was i was maybe going to have to do this like outdoors as well so um i'm very glad that we were able to do it indoors and uh without time constraints but yeah no really really interesting to uh yeah thank you about it and uh yeah always welcome kind of people's um people's views on this so um uh yeah do do get in touch if if any of the issues if you've been affected Mm. by any of the issues raised Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll
1: uh, yeah. I'll make sure I put a ticket a, a ticker number on the bottom that people can call. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Lovely, okay. thanks, for that, Ed. No problem. All right, Very take nice care. Thank you.
2: Bye. Cheers. Bye.